what conditions stipulations magic tricks or manipulations it's, well, it's uh, going. We're getting started. Have I talked to you about um, my pet peeve right now, which is um, my boyfriend girl? Yeah. What's that? Her- Who's that? So it's a type of person. Okay. Um, it's it's a it's a woman usually in her twenties, but it could be she could be any age, who always starts conversations off with my boyfriend. But there are some rules around this. Let me pitch this to you. Okay. It's like, it's the rules around the my boyfriend girl mm-hmm. are, you've never met her boyfriend. You've ne- you're not even sure if he exists. He Oh, is this like a my girlfriend who lives in Canada kind of situation? No, like he probably, like he could exist, but like you only know He's about probably him a dick though. Yeah. Because he doesn't want to come to any of our things. He's never, he never shows up. You think they've been dating for like three to six months, but like he probably, like, you literally only know He's about him because not she as says as she is, my yeah. boyfriend. Okay. And um, yeah, the the other very important part is that – because like lots of people talk about their significant others. There's nothing wrong with that. The key to the my boyfriend girl is that mm-hmm. the whatever follows is just going to be like the worst thing you've ever heard. So it's like – Oh, God. I do know. It's like <laughs> – And you're like, honey, no. <laughs> the my honey, boyfriend girl, she starts off a conversation and it – um, my boyfriend who works in finance said that we could go to Cabo next year. Well, not, not next year, maybe next year. Uh, well, he has a, he has a trial coming up. He, he didn't do anything wrong. I mean, it technically okay. it's quote unquote insider trading, but it's his dad's company. So like, I don't even think that's illegal. He actually, the thing is that, um, I can't see him right now because, uh, he's under house arrest until like next year, early next year. But then he was like, babe, we can totally go to Cabo, you know, in the summertime. Anyway, what were you saying? Your dad has a farm. That's the my boyfriend girl. I I want her to get help. <laughs> we, and this is the thing is that we all th- this girl also posts on social media and says things like every day with you is an adventure or like can't wait to spend another another 6 months. It's never 6 months. They've only been dating for like a, a week and a half. Can't wait to spend another 3 weeks with my best friend hashtag it's like you have to say a bunch about it on social media because yeah it's because not not happy in her life because he's not actually validating anything so that's what i've been thinking about a lot lately i've been thinking about the my boyfriend girl a lot lately because i keep seeing social media posts that make me think that anyway if i ever become a my boyfriend girl i do give you full permission to shoot me in the face why so. would i shoot you you need love and support <laughs> i would not shoot you i might shoot him get come snuggle brooke oh that's very um sweet. Anyways, it's exceedingly persuasive over here. I'm Mackenzie Brennan, and my heat is out, so my nose is really cold. I'm Brooke Rogers. My heat is not out. Oh, look at this bitch over here with the heat. Fancy ass heat working. No gloves, bitch. Uh, Rubbing it in my face. (laughs) Just had this thought. Yeah. The inverse of the my girlfriend, or sorry, the inverse of boyfriend girl girl. is my pillow guy. That does not seem like a proportionate He's her exact he opposite. Is... I won't explain this. I'm not explaining We're not going to break it down. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm Brooke Rogers. I think I already said that. Yeah, you I did, did say okay. that. We're but good. I, we can move on. I think it's worth underscoring that point. It's a good one. So today we kind of scoot this one in before the election, which like could be decided on Tuesday, could be decided at the end of next week. We're, we're trying to coordinate with all that nonsense but could be uh, decided never never oh my god this could be a brave new age (laughs) of aquarius but yeah so we've been waiting for a while to re-examine literally our like first recorded episode was one on reproductive rights uh in a slightly different climate somehow a little bit better given the composition of the court now so with amy coney barrett getting confirmed to the supreme court Mm. that it seems like apt timing. that little that little late october trinket that little, little treat that little after dinner treat of mm. acb being confirmed wafer thin after dinner chocolate just been the just been the most speedy of manners just oh my god i plow her through the fucking process one of my old professors um i don't know somebody who knows what they're talking about was kind of floating the idea of i cannot imagine 
a Supreme Court justice ever getting confirmed again by a Senate of the opposite party. And I, I understand that suspicion. Yeah. It was one of the, it was the most partisan and close to an election in history. Mitch McConnell then adjourned till after the election with no COVID relief bill. And that just seemed like excessively well, I don't know. <laughs> when we're picking things to be be speedy and quick about, do um, it does seem like rushing through the confirmation of a Supreme Court justice is definitely higher on the list than making sure Americans can eat or pay their rent. Because that's who cares about that when um, we've got like other things hierarchy. to do. Yeah, yeah. I, I do like, think like it's just such it's such an insult to I, I everyone who like needs. That. Yeah, who needs, you know, to, like, buy the children food. An array and of things, yeah. Pay their bills. Um, and who have get, gotten $1,200 this entire That's pandemic flat, yeah. in, in the face of record unemployment and a tanking economy. Um, it's, <laughs> it must feel super great to watch the Senate actually manage to do its job really quickly when it comes down yeah. to uh and in, like, their COVID agenda suits because yeah what the they Republicans want were like exposed to coronavirus at acb's um nomination event yeah this is like the grossest confluence of things so obviously yeah. a lot is at stake but uh, never let a politician tell you that they can't get things done because exactly. uh the process is the pro- it's just the, pro- the pro- we, we have the process we have we have to follow the process it's it takes time these things take time obviously not obviously you can get it done if you want to get it done um, well, at least if you have control of the uh whatever um entity is is approving it like yeah i think on the flip side, the Democrats completely had their hands tied, and they did the the one thing I think that was a hail mary, which was not the boycott of the Senate. Yeah, Judiciary like not committees giving vote. a quorum of the Judiciary Committee, and they did like they did that. And nobody gave a shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I know it's tough, and I don't know, like I don't have the answer, but nothing feels good. Yeah. Uh, like nothing, and I don't. I don't Full know. anarchy or nothing, baby. <laughs> Work for everyone else. What is my cat doing? She's I don't on know. my team. She's, she's on my side. She agrees with she, me. She's doing the anarchy thing. She's leading by example. Hundred um, percent. Well, yeah. So obviously, like a lot of other issues are on the table. We have the ACA up for argument before the court. Like first on the docket, um, election related issues. Obviously, uh, gay marriage and Obergefell are on the chopping block, too. Yeah, mail-in voting is is a concern at this yep. point. Inclu- yeah, and whether or not those ballots are going to stand up. Um, Obviously, the court decided uh, the Bush-Gore election, so it is not unprecedented to have the Supreme Court decide who's president. And I think Trump knew that when he pushed this through. That's, but- why, they, that's why they got her on the court before the election. Yeah. One of the reasons. So that, yeah, one of the, the nice bouquet of many reasons that they are so thrilled at this. So, but of Tony the Barrett's issue, on the court. So, what does that? What does that mean? What does that mean? And specifically, we want to look at uh, one issue, which is yeah. obviously at the forefront of a lot of people's minds, especially especially women and mm-hmm. um, just people who are affected by this issue in general, which is. Roe v. Wade, and also, yeah. as we will talk about, uh, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, the two yes. uh, precedents that uh, establish the right to access to abortion in America. Yeah, so I think abortion rights and reproductive rights at large, because it's really hard to gut access to abortion without gutting access to a lot of other things, like women's employment, uh, wages, access to health care. A lot of those things are often wrapped up in the same institutions, the same choices, the same hierarchies that you establish, that there are so, so many ways that women are screwed over by this one right, which is big in and of itself. So. Yeah, this I think that people don't think about how far-reaching this issue is and how important it is. Um, I think because our, especially our generation of women, it's 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 always been legal for us. You know, yeah. Roe was passed in '73, and since then, I think we've kind of taken it for granted to an extent. I think um, our generation of women has taken it for granted that we've always had access to, you know, to some extent at least, uh, and that it would safe be protected. Abortion. Yeah, that it's kind that, of sanctified. 
that we wouldn't right that is acknowledged talk about this again acknowledged as a right um yeah and i think we assumed that that was that would never change and now we're facing a situation where uh it's a very very real possibility that a lot of states could lose lose that acknowledgement of the right to abortion um and lose access to safe and legal abortion so we uh that's the first thing that I thought of when RBG died. Yep. I got texts from you. I got texts from my, uh, some other friends. We were all kind of immediately panicking, yeah. panic texting each other because um, this has been sort of a, a, a white whale for Republicans. Yeah. Uh, basically, and, since and Republican men, Roe truly, passed. I would say, uh, even though Amy Coney Barrett Republican is a woman. Republican women are just as culpable. Yeah, yeah well, they. I think they're tokenized in – a way that like not to take away their agency, but the proportion of women on a national scale who ally themselves with Republican values on this issue is so much smaller than it is men. Yeah. And the ones who really spearhead the fight are Republican male politicians. And I think that's probably for an obvious reason that it tends to be those people who have the most self-righteous opinions on it and very infrequently understand what what even the basics of the procedure are. And to be yeah. railing so adamantly against the right, you would think that they would know what they are literally talking about. Yeah. And they just so obviously don't. I mean, in Trump's uh, RNC, I think it was the RNC speech in, in 2016, where he talked about the ripping babies out of wombs. Uh, yeah, and that's simply Which is very commonly is, used. It's macabre uh, as fuck, yeah. and it's so inaccurate. Yeah, and that's that's yeah, very commonly used uh, phrase. Uh, <laughs> oftentimes, people who argue are arguing against choice will use uh, hyperbolic rhetoric like that in order to make because their it's point. hard to argue against the real thing. I mean, the realities of it are so nuanced in their extreme, and so infrequent in their extreme, but so. Um, reasonable in their norm so it would be hard to argue against them and because it as soon as you frame it as you did as soon as you frame it as you know babies being murdered (laughs) right it's so much easier to sell people on the idea because like it's 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 the issue that we always talk about it's the issue we always talk about with other you know with how politicians will frame laws Mm -hmm. um like the you know protecting children yeah that it's actually just like anti- anti-consensual uh, adult sex work you know yeah. it's like yes they, they frame it as something that it's not but uh, oh you're you're against the uh, protecting children law oh how wow. can you be against that yeah you know so it, it's a uh, it's purposeful it's it's, it's marketing and um, then of course not actually having mirror policies that do protect children once they exist and mothers can't provide for them families can't provide for them or education funding needs to be out there like that yeah. we won't do. There, when it's actually protecting children, we draw the line at funding that. So. Well, in our in our first episode, we talked about the fact that if you actually did want to reduce the number of unwanted pregnancies, comprehensive sex education in yeah. schools, and access to uh, free or affordable birth control mm-hmm. and um, condoms and things like that have been proven to reduce the number of unwanted pregnancies that result sure. in abortions. So if you actually were looking at hard data and you were saying like, okay, we want to, we want to reduce the number of abortions as low as possible. The most effective way of doing that would not be to criminalize abortion, which does not reduce the number of abortions. It just reduces the number of safe abortions. Yeah. The way to do that is actually to promote comprehensive sex education in schools, which a lot of evangelicals don't believe in because it's not and abstinence not abstinence. Only. Yeah. yeah. Comprehensive means that it's not that. focused on abstinence. Abstinence is not centered or um it's discussed as it's discussed as one method of preventing mm-hmm. STDs in pregnancy, but it's not centered. It's not the only method and it's not it's not the focus even the of best the conversation. Method, I think yeah. is a fine way to frame it because it's accurate that the best method and just sure to you know add this in as a PSA that yeah it is it is the most effective way to avoid STDs and pregnancy um but it's I think the most we, realistic way it exactly and we have to operate in the real world and I, I think one thing that really bothers me about um about the promotion of you know the people the same people who say that they are against abortions um saying that we shouldn't have comprehensive sex ed in yeah. schools because kids 
you know, shouldn't be learning about how to use condoms and they're 15 or 16. It's weird morality. It's, Cause it, it's, it's a little bit like it's a fantasy punishing. If we tell them how to do it right, then they're going to be more inclined to do it right. And if they are going to do this, then we don't want to give them any tools. It's like a preemptive punishment sort of. Yeah. Thing. It's a, uh, so we don't that's want a great punishment how to do something wrong better even though yeah. that means lower lower cases of stds lower cases of yeah. unwanted pregnancy they they don't care because they don't want it, it is puritanism punitive sort of thinking it's not about caring about people cuz oftentimes yeah. it is young people who are in these situations too so literal children um, mm-hmm. living, breathing children who are in these situations, but only Astra, and then we'll move on to the procedure itself, just to give some basics that I think a lot of people don't hear about. Um, the one qualm that I have, my qualm, qualm, my qualm, which isn't, I don't know where it's going. I don't know where, where my qualm is destined, but it was a conversation. Where did your qualm come from? Where did it go? No one knows. My qualm is kind of Nigel. Such a banger of a song, by the way. Um, underappreciated banger, whatever. This is a hill maybe I'll die I, on. I think maybe overappreciated, overused. Brooke, is this going to be this the is death of our friendship? Divorce. Is, I knew this day would come when we talked about Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> um, okay, I'm sorry, your qualm. No, no, please. Uh, so this came up with my mom, and and she obviously is a healthcare provider. She, she put me on not put me on, but like took me to get birth control at like 14 or 15. Cause she's like, I want to make sure that you're safe before you would ever get to a place where you're being sexually active. So I really appreciate the way that she approached it. And I don't mean to portray her as the relative villain of the story by any means, but she was kind of talking about the whole safe, legal and rare, uh, idea of abortion that like, we want to reduce it, but when it does happen, keep it legal and, and safe and medical. And the qualm I have with that and with a lot of the rhetoric around reducing abortion is that there's kind of an implicit wrongness in wanting to reduce it, even by framing it with the wrongness that that phraseology does. It makes it difficult to argue that it should be okay in a range right, of situations. Right. It implies uh, an yeah. inherent, um, inherent, there's something inherently bad about abortion. Yeah. Yeah. Evil or, yeah. And so I always think of it kind of in the, in, in a logical sense, like in a total vacuum, I think of it like self defense defenses to murder. If you really think that it's wrong, and if there is a side that really thinks it's wrong, you almost should be peddling that it's always wrong and yeah if a woman wants to say that she did this to herself because the baby was a product of rape or incest or there was a risk to her life that only comes up as a defense at the murder trial you know like Mm. it's not okay morally uh and it's not okay legally you can just maybe get off frame it as right it's almost like this if if it's wrong it's it's always wrong wrong. yeah yeah but and and therefore the inverse of that is that, um, right. you know, the legal safe if and rare argument, wrong. it's still, it's still casting some dispersion on. on yeah. And I think that makes it harder. A, an idea. Yeah. Harder for us as a society to think of it the way that I would like the society to think of it, which is a safe medical procedure that does not threaten existing life as medicine understands life to be. Mm-hmm. And, but, and also yeah, something so, that enables women to um, yeah. pursue their careers and pursue um also just there are people who don't want children sure shockingly there are people who just don't want kids yeah (laughs) uh but yeah you know i mean like they're 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 it 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 completely and actually this is a good a good one for the rbg quote um the the idea that um you know access to abortion in modern life means that women and trans men have control over, um, when they start a family, if they start a family, um, you know, and, and, and pregnancy and parenthood are both extremely, um, big undertakings. They change your life. They, you know, pregnancy changes your whole body. It's, uh, 
for a lot of people, it's something that they never want to experience and that's valid. Some people just don't want to have, don't want to get pregnant, sure, don't want to experience yeah. pregnancy. Um, they don't want to have children. And it's, you know, I feel like that's the idea of, ha- of people having kids has been the default for so long that we almost don't, we're just now beginning to understand the concept of like people just choosing not to. That, we're just getting there. I yeah. mean, especially with women. Yeah, because for an so long that's, there was an expectation and it was seen as like women's, you know, main purpose was to yeah. be wives and mothers. And um, RBG during her confirmation hearing said, put it so beautifully in a way that I think is really important when we discuss this issue. Um, she said, the decision whether or not to bear a child is central to a woman's life, to her well-being and dignity. When the government controls that decision for her, she is being treated as less than a fully adult human responsible for her own choices. Uh, and I think that's kind of that puts it better than I ever could, yeah. which is truly that uh, once you take away that, once you say the government ha- should have control over um, whether or not a woman um, is, you know, has children or not, whether or not a woman has um control over her own her own reproductive system you are taking away so many of her other choices and that's that one choice yeah absolutely um but that one choice dictates so many other um parts of of her life and i think let alone for the child and i think as a child's rights person you should be advocating for abortion as well because only children who are born to people who are equipped to deal with them. And I say this as an accident child, but somebody who was born to parents who decided that they were ready for that undertaking and that they wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, so I don't mean like you have to plan it out and it has to be perfect, but- Lots of people are happy with accident babies, but they, point is they have a choice. To, yes. Yeah, the, the point is that is, they have a choice after finding out- It's that the, just the, them deciding. Yeah. yeah, if they want to- make this human being and not the state being like, yeah, you got to make that person. Like that's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Forcing, forcing someone to, um, to carry to term a pregnant, an unwanted pregnancy truly Mm -hmm. is just an incredibly, yeah, it's, it's dystopian. And it's also just, it's the, the, you're, you're taking away their control over their own body. You know? Yeah. And I think we also, a lot of abortion conversations miss the fact that any medical procedure is already subject to the same stringent guidelines and patient protections, um, you know, balancing tests about baby's well-being, if it's viable and going to live versus mom versus the psyche of who's carrying it, because mm-hmm. that's a huge piece of it too. Uh, the child's well-being going into the future that like, these are things that medicine already considers. So that's covered. We got the well-being thing. The doctor or professional who's doing it has taken the Hippocratic oath. We're good. Um, yeah. The government doesn't have to provide an extra layer of that. It's there. No, absolutely. Uh, just like we don't have Mitch McConnell talking about like wisdom tooth extraction policy. Like, no, we're, yeah. we're good. It's, ta- it's taken cover. care of by a different industry that probably that off- knows clearly better. knows much more about it than a lot of the politicians who go. are trying to legislate this issue. And with that, Perfect. Mackenzie, would you enlighten us well, a little sure. bit to the medical side of this issue? Sure. And I can say this um, as somebody who, if you listen to our first episode, uh, you will know that I am somebody who has had an abortion. Um and so now I, if you're a listener, you can say, I know someone who's had an abortion hey, oh, because you know yes. Mackenzie and keep that in your mind when you're thinking about Absolutely. this issue. And please, like, you know where to find me if you ever have questions or concerns or things that maybe you feel awkward about asking out loud. Um, I get that people don't know things until they know things. And I'm an open book on this yeah. front. I can take it. Um, so just to give some background, my partner at the time had had cancer as a young person had had chemo on his like upper leg area, we thought that he was not able to conceive. Um, So yeah, obviously it's like, oh, you know, you should have been extra, extra careful, but things happen and we weren't. So I was about, I want to say eight weeks pregnant and I went in and got the ultrasound and I was in New York. So pretty accessible. Were you going to say something? I was going to say, would you actually, uh, this is a good note, sure. but explain um, 
I remember the timeline, oh. the, the, you found out that the due date, if you had kept the pregnancy, oh, would have yes. been during uh, the law exam. The bar exam. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's a, that's a piece of it too. It almost like underscored what I already was thinking, which right. was, um, I do want children. And even though I'm not with that partner anymore, um, and I'm still not ready to be a parent, I'm like, I, I was so lucky to have had the parents that I did have. And that they had time to be a parent to me and I would like to do even better, you know, give my mm-hmm. child a more financially comfortable life, more yeah. time, more resources, hopefully keep this slope going upwards generation. Yeah, to generation. absolutely. And I couldn't do that if I were a, what was I, 26? Oh, you know what? It was a couple of days before my 26th birthday, which means it's a, an anniversary of sorts here this week. Oh yeah. Cause it would have so. been a, uh, it was like, uh, Mackenzie's birthday is the 12th of November so yeah something like because I remember and it was actually really sweet because I had an abortion doula which I didn't know existed does and it was a a lovely thing like she just kind of patted my hand and talked to me and she's like oh I see your birthday's coming up and I'm like yeah yep (laughs) it is thank you for noting I um, about that (laughs) okay um very bright in this room and I'm on drugs thank um, you for noting yeah, and I was on drugs. So they at that point, you can either do a medical abortion, which is taking pills. Um, but a friend of ours had had a really bad experience with that. And I don't know that it's bad for everybody, but I was just kind of freaked out by the concept. And I wanted to go back to class the next week. So I was like, if it's a longer You didn't process, want to be taken out of the game yeah, for yeah. that long. But um, if it's a medical procedure, what they do is they put you in like a twilight level of sedation. And then they dilate you. A twilight zone, if you will. A twilight zone, one might say. I can't believe I missed that. Um, Brooch. That's what I'm here for, baby. But you're conscious. So it's just like you're very loopy and then they numb the area too. And it's it's uncomfortable. Anybody who's had a, a pelvic exam as a woman or anybody with that set of genitals, it's it's. If you got a uterus, it's been scraped by somebody's Well, forceps. they... It's a little bit more because they do go in yeah. through the cervix for this one. And uh, yeah, and you can, you can feel that sounds a little uncomfy. bit. It sounds uncomfy. It's, it's not super comfy, but like the lady patted my hand and, and petted me the whole time. And then I swear I was out in like 15 minutes of the procedure itself. It was super, super easy in that sense. Um, it was about $500, which luckily a partner split with me. Um, and you, had, and then, you have healthcare, right? Yes, I did at the time. And you know what? This actually ties into the ACA because I was 25. And so I was still allowed to be on my mom's health insurance, which would go away if the ACA is revoked because Obamacare was what allowed you to be on your parents' health care until 26. So luckily. So that was that was my story. Um, And just to fill in really quickly some of the biology to dispel some myths, uh, most abortions occur in the first trimester. So 91.4% occur in the first trimester, which is the first 12 weeks. Over 65% occur in the first eight weeks, which is important to remember when we think about these like heartbeat bills. Yeah, which so is that would push usually, it outside of the realm of... Yes. And that's usually around when people find out that they're pregnant if they're being super, super vigilant or they have a super regular cycle because not everybody does. Um, I did, so I was able to tell, but that's kind of as early as you can know and do something about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so over 65% in the first eight weeks, uh, over 91% in the first trimester. And so at that point, just to give a picture of what fetuses are like at that point, it is about five millimeters, which is like the size of a pencil lead. Um, you couldn't see even the fetus itself on my ultrasound. It was just like the sack that it was in. And this was obviously a magnified thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so worth knowing, they they frame it a lot of times as like these babies that are fully fledged and they, they look like little human babies and they're being pulled out. That's not accurate. Um, they have no brain development at that point, no neurological activity, which means no nerves or pain receptors, no bones, no heart no eyes, no other senses, no reproductive organs. They do have a tail, which is kind of kooky. Um, kind of Why do fun. we lose the tail is my I question. do wish we kept the tail. I, it's for Good I, for balance, super cute. Right? You can accessorize it. 
so maybe there's an oversight it evolution. Who knows? Uh, they can't Will excrete, it? and movement is not detectable to the mother. So, just uh, this is so different Keep than the that picture. In mind. Yeah, but this is when ninety-one plus percent of abortions take place. And also, one thing when I was researching this, actually before I myself had the need for a procedure, but back in in earlier law school, that almost half of embryos fail to continue fail to continue developing in the first few weeks after fertilization on their own, and that the most common type of pregnancy termination is called spontaneous abortion or miscarriage. So uh, after implantation, 10 to 25% of pregnancies, depending on the demographics of the mom, result in miscarriage. So that is more common than abortion rates in, in yeah. any group. So if it's, it's a similar idea to if we think it's wrong, this is going to be a hell of a slippery slope because then you get into like, uh, did we endanger the life in all these miscarriage scenarios? Yeah. How closely do you have to monitor potential pregnancies? It's it's a very scary slippery slope. That's yeah. Not that once you take once you take out the agency of the woman involved and yeah. um, decenter her health and well being and take medicine her, out of it, her humanity. Yeah. I think that, yeah, there's, there's definitely a slippery slope. Um, and that kind of brings us, speaking of slippery slopes, that kind of brings us to uh, Amy Coney Barrett's uh, confirmation to Supreme Court. And um, the, a big concern that I've had I've been discussing a lot with a lot of friends over the last couple of weeks, which is um, what happens if a precedent that protects the right to abortion is overturned by the Supreme Court. So this is a question that, um, honestly, it's, it's kind of interesting because I didn't even really know uh, until I started researching this um, exactly what would happen, what that, you know, mm -hmm. the, an overturning of precedent would mean for women and, you know, for people who need access to abortions in the United States. Um, I did not understand what that meant state by state. I knew that some states had better protection than others. I knew that yeah. there, uh, it would differ. But um, even talking about it with my friends, everyone's sort of in this like, you know, what's going to happen? Will everything, you know, will it immediately be illegal? What's, you know, how quickly will that kick into place? Like, what, are, what will that even look like post, post Roe uh, or post Casey? So if really quick, if you could explain what precedent we're actually talking about, because yeah. we mentioned Roe and a lot of people refer to Roe, but the actual precedent we're working on is pa Planned Parenthood v. Casey. Would you mind explaining more about yes, that? Yes, indeedy. Um, so Planned Parenthood versus Casey was the biggest challenge to Roe that, that kind of was successful to the extent that it chipped away a lot at the protections that Roe put in place that would have made Roe more indelible and made it harder for a lot of these access chilling laws that states have since gotten away with to make it onto the books. So Roe did, we'll, we'll backtrack a little bit, that this is a right that comes from something that we talk about a lot on this podcast, which is substantive due process. So in the 14th Amendment or the Fifth Amendment, 14th is the one that applies to states, fifth is uh, federal government. So for something like this, it's going to be 14th Amendment state law. But the due process clause is the one that says you can't deprive of life, liberty or property without due process of law. So what this one turns on is the liberty interest. And we're using liberty as this big umbrella term that's not defined. And from other amendments that you piece together, like uh, the Ninth Amendment, which is kind of all other rights that aren't enumerated or reserved to the people, uh, even things down to like the fourth amendment quartering of soldiers uh, protection that like there is an interest in privacy that's memorialized by the framework of rights in the constitution that when we look at this amorphous term liberty, it probably includes a fundamental right to privacy. And I tend mm -hmm. to agree with that. I think that um, it's a natural right that's implied by so many of these terms that aren't otherwise defined. Yeah. So, sure. What does liberty mean if not that the government yeah. can't make personal choices for you that have in to your do with bedroom. your own body? In your yeah. literal bedroom. And this is the same kind of protection that comes up in gay marriage cases and contraception cases on a lower uh, tier, but a very similar type of issue. Um, so yeah, Roe said that this, the 
right to choose when and if to bear a child falls within this fundamental right of privacy. What Casey did in 1992 was, it was essentially a challenge to Roe, again, with one of these state laws, or I think a couple of state laws. Um, and people were very worried that it would totally gut Roe. It didn't gut Roe, but it walked it back. It got rid of the fundamental right protection, which also meant that state laws that infringe on the right to abortion were not infringing on a fundamental right. So they didn't have the presumption of unconstitutionality that the state had to overcome with a really top tier compelling interest. Um, but it did say that uh, you cannot place an undue burden on women's access to abortion if the fetus is not viable, which again, viability is not really a defined term, especially yeah. with medicine being so fluid. And undue burden is something that's pretty malleable as well. Right. So undue is so vague. Yeah. And, and that is added to the whole, like, it's no longer a fundamental right. So just interpretively, it's going to be a lower threshold. Mm-hmm. So that's where we are. That is the current standard applied to abortion laws. The Roe standard, unfortunately, is no longer the one that we use. People use Roe, I think, because it was the first case to um, vindicate abortion rights, and it never really was overturned, which is, that is good. Um, but it was definitely altered in mm. Casey. But Casey protects us pretty well, and it has for well, going on 30 years, I guess. So do you think so that will be what's <laughs> challenged in the Supreme Court if they move to challenge precedent? It'll be, what it will be is where is the right left and the current protection is not Roe's fundamental right conception, it's Casey's conception, mm. not to make a pun, but uh, yeah. Mm. It, so yeah, in, in practice, you can kind of call it either one, but the actual conception of the right is Casey's okay and so it that's kind of a a six of one half dozen the other in terms of what happens if the right fully disappears but just to give a picture of where we are now it's not perfect even now and we know that but yeah and uh republican states have red states have been chipping away at abortion access basically since roe was passed um, you see this a lot with uh, laws surrounding um, uh, with laws that uh, order clinics to have access to uh, admitting admitting um, privileges. Pri- sorry, thank you. Admitting privileges to hospitals, um, a certain hall size that can wheel down certain types of beds. Um, these weird workaround sort very, of like yeah. getting creative with zoning laws to make it harder to fund abortion clinics because that's it like with the hallway size it's or admitting privileges it limits the amount of facilities in a state or community that can afford to have that big a building or hire somebody who can go through this extra process and like get allied with the hospital corporation like right eh. it's all very bureaucratic it really emphasizes sort of the, the banality of uh the way that rights are stripped down yeah um and so for decades this has been going on we saw it most recently, uh, actually, the reason why we uh, recorded our first repro rights episode was because we were seeing a lot of laws passed um, in states where it was usually heartbeat bans, which um, were inappropriately named because they said yeah. that um, that abortion couldn't take place after a quote-unquote heartbeat is detected, but it's not a heartbeat. And no. it usually happens around, I believe, six weeks. Um, six to eight weeks, I six think. Six to eight weeks. Yeah. What, what, and we discussed this in the, in the earlier episode, but what you're actually um, picking up is an elect- electromagnetic pulse uh, that takes place within the sack, um, in the sack where uh, eventually the fetus will be formed, but it's not. It's in the embryonic sac, and it, it's like, yeah, it's electromagnetic activity at the poles of the embryonic sac. It, but obviously, like, we know what they're doing. It's to make it sound human and developed and that like a baby's heartbeat is it, it's a pretty visceral conception to give yeah the, and again it goes back to um, i'm sorry you're against the heartbeat bill wow. it's just, it's wow. framing it yeah. as you know it's, it's an anti-science framing that uh kind of pulls at people's heartstrings not to 
Make a pun. Exactly. But uh, it, it, and, it's, and I, it's very intentional. And I do want to jump in here and say that this is a nuanced subject. And I know that one thing that people probably have difficulty discussing, especially if you don't have personal experience uh, or aren't a woman to begin with, um, it, it's tough to think of things like, well, I know that women who want babies are upset when they miscarry, even if it's mm -hmm. at an early stage or uh, that this is, it's a fluid idea and it mm -hmm. differs from person to person. And I think that that, that's okay to acknowledge out loud. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's and, okay to acknowledge out loud that lots of women, when they're pregnant, refer yeah. to their baby because yeah. they. But I think and that, that that doesn't nullify the fact that people who don't want to be pregnant don't have that connection and don't have that desire that imbues something that medically is not a person yet mm -hmm. with a future and yeah. uh, an idea of what you want it to be and what process you're excited about and the bodily connection that you feel to something. Right, exactly. I, I don't think either uh, negate the other. And, and I think it's hard um, to say out loud that they don't negate each other. Because people avoid that yeah. conversation a lot. Yes. And I think that uh, it's, used, it's used as a, a manipulation tool a lot to be mm -hmm. like, well, you know, uh, you're pro-choice, but you are pregnant and you just called it your baby. So, you know, I saw a lot of we people got you. Got you. A lot of people comment that on Chrissy Teigen's stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, you're pro-choice. Well, then how can you be sad about losing your baby? Yeah, it's it's so ghoulish. Uh, yeah. And honestly, again, like it's like just because just because um, that rhetoric is used by women who are talking about their own experience with pregnancy does not mean that scientifically it's scientifically accurate. You know what I mean? Or like, that it changes. Yeah. Because the irony is a lot of the women that I've known who have gone through miscarriages or fertility or, uh, you know, even labor for yeah. a child that they want or unplanned pregnancies that they kept, my mom being a key example of that, it makes them more pro-choice because yeah. it's like, this would be so different if I didn't want to go through this. Yeah. And a, this should never thing. be anyone else's decision, but a woman and whoever she consults medically or personally. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. I, um, I have talked about this with, uh, with loved ones as well, or, you know, mm -hmm. friends and loved ones as well about the fact that, um, a lot of, a lot of people I know who have gone through pregnancies, like you said, it makes them more pro-choice because yeah. it's like, it's so hard. It's, it's, right. it, it, it the effect that pregnancy has on your body is it it changes it can change your feet size it can make your teeth crack because you're losing it calcium your pelvic bones it your, actually your shifts hip, your bones like your hips get a, an inch wider when you give birth and they never go back to the size they were before um, completely changes your or the your the layout of your organs never fully go back to everything is just this different. is best case scenario I yeah. mean this is like a healthy pregnancy doing everything right. Um, and your hair falls out after uh, a lot of your hair can like fall out in clumps after pregnancy. It wrecks your body. Truly. They cut like, you. Episiotomies yeah. are super common where they cut you from vagina to anus. Um, and this is, I'm not even saying it's like, listen, I'm not saying that aesthetically it wrecks your body. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying it but physically. That is physically brutal. That is, it's oh brutal. It destroys God. it. And so the idea you of add like, not wanting it. Yeah. That's kind of the key, right? Is that. That is torture. A lot of women, you know, or, or a lot of people go through that. They have that experience and it's worth it because they, you know, want the child that is resulting from that. It's but so, yeah. if you don't want to be pregnant and you don't want to carry a pregnancy to term. And don't want the child once they are out and a human. Right. Yeah. That's torture. That's torture to go through that if you don't want to be pregnant. Let alone um, if you keep it, which a lot of women, I don't have stats on this specifically, but I know that adoption tends to be a lot less common than abortion would be if you look at like early pregnancy, unwanted pregnancy, and yeah. no access to abortion. Once you get connected to the idea of it and it's being forced on you societally, and you do go through all of this, it's less common at that point to still consistently put a child up for adoption. And then mm -hmm. we can get into the whole like adoption systems are overloaded. It's not a, you know, a system that's waiting to receive more children and, and is prepared to yeah. have an influx of, of kids. But yeah, I, I think a, a big piece 
beyond the pregnancy element is like, this is a human who's going to be alive for at least 18 years in the parent's life. Mm -hmm. And that is a huge undertaking, especially if we want it done right. And we don't want to penalize the child. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's, it's a life-changing thing. And I think that, uh, yeah, again, just the idea that we would force anyone into that decision. Um, So moving forward on that, the, uh, those are the stakes. Those are the stakes involved. And that's where Casey left us. And that, yeah, that's where Casey left us. So looking at that now, uh, yeah, again, a question a lot of people have is like, what happens if that precedent is overturned? Um, Oh, and also, sorry to cut in really quickly, but I think when you're talking about the heartbeat laws, that was also another shift that was worth noting that before Trump actually took office, there it was more those like zoning type the bureaucratic laws yeah right where we're not going to say directly that we're trying to infringe on abortion rights but then and this was what spurred our last episode once trump was in office and it was both so clear that the executive endorsement was there and that they were already starting to flood the courts but also the shift in i think public opinion mm-hmm. that the zealots on the anti-choice side thought like okay really the odds are in our favor that's when they started doing the whole like six week eight week which you barely even know if you missed a period at that point um using the heartbeat language that you really saw a shift in the types of laws that were being passed which was so drastic that we saw fit to address it at that point in time yeah it was the rhetoric changed from it it almost like it was a mask off moment yeah where before it had been uh, around you know well we just want to protect women so we're going to implement these laws that make it safer to receive an abortion by quote zoning laws. Safer. Quote yeah. unquote safer. These zoning laws, these, you know, hospital admitting privileges, et cetera, like all of that stuff, they kind of use it as a cover of like, well, don't you want women to be safer? Even though it really had no Which effect again, on yeah. how safe the procedure was. It is and safer then than getting your wisdom to, teeth out. Yeah. Then it switched to heartbeat bans and talking and, and, and the, the rhetoric changed to um a very anti-science point of view yeah um the the baby rhetoric yeah so the i'm gonna go through a couple um just to explain the different states that have uh different laws in place there are some there are some states where uh protection of access to abortion is actually written into the constitution or written into state law so in those places very few it's a minority but in those places um even if precedent is overturned, uh, they uh, abortion is protected by state law. Um, At least for the time being. And that's the, yeah. the risk that I'll put on that. Mm. Because those laws could be rolled back as well. Yeah. Um, I'm going to just like read off uh, from it's uh, reproductiverights.org. There's a, they have a map and an explanation of the law state by state. Um, so the... They're, they, they fall into um, four categories, uh, the, the different states and their approach to abortion access falls into four categories on this site. Uh, expanded access, protected, not protected, and hostile. Um, um, the expanded access, access category, there are seven That's states. Above Roe and Casey that like, right. they have additional protections beyond where the, the constitutional floor is. They took... Roe and Casey and actually built on yeah. and increased protections in their state. Mm-hmm. Uh, expanded access. There are seven states in this category. In these states, the right to abortion is protected by state statutes or state constitutions, and other laws and policies have created additional access to abortion care. These states are California, Connecticut, Hawaii, New York, Oregon, Vermont, and Washington. Uh, next up, the protected category. Uh, there are 14 states and the District of Columbia and the protected category, meaning the right to abortion is protected by state law, but so, there are limitations on access to care. So I would say this is kind of, they echoed Casey and Roe and they kind of codified the standard. So at least if that floor is pulled out, they will have the same standard. Right. Without, without just uh, the bare minimum of, I mean, nothing. The, of yeah. Casey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, these states are Alaska, Delaware, District of Columbia, Florida, Illinois, Iowa, Kansas, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Montana, Nevada, New Jersey, and Rhode Island. 
then we get into the scary territory. Oh boy. Um, Buckle in, kids. Strap up. Here we go. Uh There are five states and two territories in the not protected category. In these places, abortion may continue to be accessible, but would be unprotected by state and district law. In some of these states, it is unclear whether the legislature would enact a ban if Roe is limited or reversed, but concern is warranted. These states are Colorado, New Hampshire, New, sorry, New Mexico, Puerto Rico, the U.S. Virgin Islands, Virginia, hmm. and Wyoming, my home state. Uh, doing the least, as usual. Oh, no, 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 because I'm going to have you beat there because I don't hear Arizona on that list. Means oh, hostile. you're coming. <laughs> you're coming up. Uh, hostile. Finally, there are 24 states, nearly all of which are situated in the central and southern parts of the country. Boo! Just kidding. Which also, like, 24, that's almost half of our that's states. An, so yeah, we're thinking about an incredible where number the of states. brunt of states fall. Yeah. Even though, gonna mention this, the majority of Americans yeah. do not want abortion to be criminalized under the yes. law. They do not want Roe to be overturned. So just and putting that out there. And they seem to be pretty consistent with the standard that is already on the books. So the protections that we already have, and that's where the like consensus of Americans seem to fall as yeah. well. But that's also how abortion works in general. The Yeah, again, the, medical science is already there. We're Yeah, the I, if you look into so like you said, over more than 90% of abortions take place in the first trimester. The abortions that take place uh later on in the second and third trimester, those are abortions that happen because the uh, mother is at risk, the woman's at risk yeah. or the uh, fetus has an abnormality or some other kind of risk that would mean that they would not live outside the womb. Actually, I have a couple examples, just representative. So here was a 27-week abortion for a woman in Virginia, and she had to travel hours out of state to legally terminate her pregnancy at 27 weeks. A tumor had engulfed her daughter's brain. The tumor was fatal, so the, the child would not have survived but at the time of the termination, it was three times the size of the fetus's head and would prevent vaginal delivery if it grew any bigger. And then sometimes you add to that, if delivery happened, it would just mean further suffering because then they're breathing and alive yeah. and all the pain receptors are activated and yeah. then they suffer for a few minutes or hours. That's so That's so incredibly like, cruel. And, and these women are, are sad as hell, as are, are the heartbreaking situations. Yeah. yeah it, not a flippant choice you can make. Abortions that happen this late are incredibly difficult. Wanted and, pregnancies that are just not tenable anymore. Yeah, and to add to, add to those, those people's pain yeah. by making it difficult to get a medically necessary procedure yeah. because you want to sit on a high horse and pretend like you know what choice they're trying to make is is in that you have to travel out of state to do something that is medically humane to you and your child potentially life-saving to the the mother but like another one who had to leave the state and travel 36 hours to a bulletproof anonymous facility to meet one of the only remaining doctors in the country um at 32 weeks this one was and there was a previously undiagnosable disorder and which is another good element to add that sometimes you don't know until this point that this yeah. sort of thing happens the her son would not survive outside the womb he had club feet shriveled legs and hands was would have been unable to swallow if he was born and would have suffered more if he had been delivered so yeah. that like this it's, it's cases we're talking about when we talk about late-term abortions yeah um also i just want to bring up so the the hostile category oh yes i'm uh, so sorry oh you're okay there are 24 states, nearly all of which are situated in the central or southern parts of the country, and three territories that we categorize as quote-unquote hostile, meaning they could immediately prohibit abortion entirely if precedent were overturned. The second it's overturned. These states and territories are extremely vulnerable to the revival of, new, of old abortion bans or the enactment of new ones, and none of them have legal protections for abortion. These states, none of them are going to surprise you. Alabama, hey. American Samoa, no, Arizona, kind of Arkansas, Georgia, Guam, Idaho, Indiana, Kentucky, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, Nebraska, North Carolina, North Dakota, Northern Mariana Islands, Ohio, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, South Dakota, 
Tennessee, Texas, Utah, West Virginia, and Wisconsin. So again, a lot of these states like um, Alabama, Missouri, Georgia, uh, they Utah, they already are, have been hostile to uh, abortion access in the past. A lot of them have tried to pass laws that um, rest- heavily restrict abortion access. And um, that, and honestly, so yeah, it's not surprising that they would make the list. It's not surprising that they make the list. And what I would add to this, and you and I were looking at this map together and thinking about this, that there's been a shift in public opinion in some of the purple states that are on the protected or extra protection list mm-hmm. that I think would be subject to change. And so, I mean, I hate to sound like fear-mongering gratuitously, but, but I really scary. don't think it's gratuitous. I don't yeah. think, yeah, I think that it's a real risk. Like Nevada, for example, being in the protected category, um, Nevada is a state that sometimes can swing purple. And the referendum that added abortion protection there was in 1990. And one thing that I've noticed recently, when you see the needle moved the way that it has since 2016 at least, and I think partially because of what you were saying, Brooke, which is that a lot of us were kind of raised in a comfortable position, but then there was a confluence of the comfortable position and then people really coming in for the attack that has been disastrous. We assumed that that there would always be... uh, So we got kind of complacent, which wasn't our faults per se, but the complacency was capitalized on. I think that now you're seeing a lot of white male politicians on both sides compromise on reproductive rights and abortion rights. Like, uh, so the invocation for the DNC, the prayer that mentioned the unborn, John Kasich has been like a neutral guy who people like to trot out on the left as a moderate. Yeah. Yeah. But he was of the 2016 presidential primary candidates on the Republican side, NARAL, which is, it's a a repro rights organization rated him the most dangerous to women's health and reproductive rights. And as governor, he Mm -hmm. signed off on a uh, quote unquote heartbeat ban. So of Ohio, which is like, they're bad for abortion rights. We know this, but they are a purple state. Yeah. So you see it not falling along party lines in the way that we might hope that it did. Absolutely. Uh, the, I think there is just, you know, abortion has been used as sort of a, a flashy object yeah. um, to get um, by a lot of people who I, I genuinely don't even know if they care about this issue at all, but it's a way to get people to, um, to vote for Republicans because when you paint the other side as um, baby eaters. Yeah. When you care about the lives of the unborn, you have to vote Republican because yeah. for a lot of evangelicals, that is enough. They're one issue voters. The, but the again, funny thing like Trump, being, of course, <laughs> that Trump used um, medication to recover from coronavirus that uh, was would not have been possible without stem cell research. It which used fetal tissue from an abortion. Evangelicals have been railing against stem cell research for decades, um, but apparently it's fine when. Trump uses it. And stem cell research has incredible opportunities that come out for virtually, it runs the gamut of diseases and afflictions that you can treat with stem cell research or that developments have been made on. But obviously using stem cell tissue from aborted fetuses is a no cost way to develop medical science and nobody loses. So I don't know, man. The underscoring of all of this is the weird pro-life myth we see it in a similar sense with QAnon that it's like oh the babies the children we care about the children but when it comes to sucking up a adrenochrome through a straw just tapping on that that. spinal fluid love it looking it out of a coffee mug every morning but like no health care for the kids when they actually come out no health care for the mothers welfare is evil the literal president has sexual abuse against minors case that named Jeffrey Epstein as the defendant as well. If we're concerned about children. Separation of children at the border from their parents and not being able to locate their parents again. So we basically kidnapped over 500 kids. And we have no plan. And now they're just kids who they're probably never, their parents are probably never going to see them again. And that this was probably never going to reunite those families. It was a punitive plan to just like keep it was a xenophobic punitive plan to, to disincentivize, disincentivize people yeah. coming over the border yeah and that was so, it 
Sorry, you want to tell me that you are pro-life? No, yes. no. That th- this is not a pro-life. And, and I keep hearing people say, too, like, that, life yeah, absolutely. being sacred, but we won't wear masks to protect other people's lives. I keep hearing people. I've heard. I've heard several people say, like on Twitter or um, mm-hmm. just in ca- casual conversations with, like, uh, you know, n- not no one I know in real life, but mm-hmm. we'll say, you know, Trump is the most pro-life president ever, and a. That's not even true from a policy standpoint. If you're if you're one of those gung ho like you know federal funding shouldn't go to Planned Parenthood, sure funding, doesn't. Name any policy, any actual policy. Yeah. Ignore his rhetoric because he because that's a flashy the object. Court is the is the strongest argument they'd have. Is that and he keeps we putting people who are going to overturn Roe on the yeah on the Supreme yeah. Court? But if you actually look at his policies and just ignore the the rhetoric of his, his policies are not it's a mess. They're not concerted down anything. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, of what that is like. They, they don't preserve the sanctity of life. No, they, no. they they it's separating children at the border and yeah, knocking a hold on a pandemic. That's but killed. that's why I hate the phrase pro life, and I, I go with anti choice most of the time because it's always been such a misnomer. Um, that kind of divorcing from actual life valuing policy mm-hmm. has always pervaded the Absolutely. people who seem to preach that and. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, people can always feel free to reach out to both of us about any questions with this. I will say with issues like this, be careful about dividing the party as if women as a whole are not affected by this issue. I hear a lot of like, well, remember that abortion is always legal for wealthy women. Um, it's not true. I understand the point there changes but yes and that absolutely is a problem but i do think that whether it's the purpose or just effect of a statement like that it's kind of to divide and conquer but on ourselves that women don't have access to abortion if it's illegal if it is fully illegal and i can say that as somebody i'm pretty privileged and i'm from a state where it is not super accessible. My mom is in healthcare and I've actually asked her kind of tongue in cheek. I'm like, mom, could you do an abortion? Yeah. Like, haha. But like, could you physically do it? And she's like, like, I don't think so. (laughs) I'm like, what if I needed one? So all jokes aside, um, I think the, the effect that those sort of comments have is to undermine women's rights as its own category and to divide women against themselves and kind of provide for misogynists to undercut women as a class of marginalized people, which has been more common. When we are talking about uh, issues like abortion access, even though I think it is important to center that, you know, a lot of the time, women yes, who the effect uh, will be have, terrible. yeah, uh, women who um, have had trouble historically accessing safe and legal abortions in, in and places. And reproductive health care, yeah. And reproductive health care in places where access has been rolled back, those women, the women who are, poor women are disproportionately affected by that because it's harder to take time off work. A lot of times they have to find childcare for their other kids, or if they just uh, need time off work or school, or they can't afford the gas money Mm -hmm. or the travel costs of going somewhere else, or they don't have a support system needed. So I think like we can, we can do both. We can say, absolutely. Cause that's uniting. There's a way to talk about this issue. That's actually uniting, which is we need to protect poor women floor right now. Yeah, absolutely. We as all, all everyone who has a stake in this women and trans men, anyone who, anyone who Mm -hmm. could get pregnant, um, and honestly, men who could create a pregnancy. Men um, who could create a pregnancy and men who who care about women in their lives. I like, know this is one of those things where I hate to do it, but I'm like, please remember we're people. You have a mom, right? Women. I know. It's like you, that should be the reason you care <laughs> know, about this. But, but like you if love it works, I guess. Yeah. in your life who you know that yeah. that might need this, access to this later. Like, again, going back to um, just when we're talking about this issue – Instead of instead of uh, making it a divisive thing, let's uh, let's change that into and actually talk about. Okay, yes, it's much harder for working class for poor women, mm-hmm. for, especially poor women in rural areas of red states, to access yes. abortion. So how do we protect them? And how for, do we for make better it or worse, like what's on the chopping block now? It's everybody. 
It's everybody. Um, yeah. And I don't, so. I, I don't say that to undercut the fact that yes, as always, those groups will be harder hit. Um, but just like when we talk about things like Obergefell gay marriage being rolled back, we're talking about all people in that community. And I've seen a shift a little bit on the left with cis straight white men really enjoying the chance to lean into some misogyny as long as there's like a privilege element that they can tap into, not in the interest of furthering any like income related or racially based interests, but just to have an excuse to punch down at women. Yeah. And I'm seeing that a lot more and it's getting kind of okay. And now that this is as tenuous as it's ever been with reproductive rights, with Coney Barrett getting confirmed. Yeah. I'm seeing it be framed as less of a women's issue. So I th- th- I just want to plug that it is a women's issue and it's an every woman's issue. And on the left, we just need to work on coalition building in general. Like we no, need absolutely. to be more united. And I think yeah. there's nothing to lose there anyways in doing that. 100%. Um, yeah, this is scary. It's scary. It's a scary time to uh, consider our future. Wish we had um, a better answer for it. I wish I could end on a, a more positive note, you know? except honestly, if, if, if I would say anything, it's, um, you know, the big election is coming up, but also yeah. it does matter who you vote for on a local level as well. Yeah, for Sometimes sure. we're looking at these state issues and a lot mm-hmm, of the time, you know, mm-hmm. who you elect state in your state um, mm-hmm. matters a lot. And on top of that, just like, let this light a fire under you to Feel really push invested. for your own rights and the rights of others. Yes. And be anyway, vocal folks. about it. Know what to say. Know what to do. Uh, um, but take care of yourselves. Take care of your loved ones. And um, yeah, Brooke and I will other. be hugging on election night. And we we've been in our uh, we're going to be quarantine. hugging and we're going to be getting drunk. We're going to be drunk as hell. We've been Super in our excited. sad little quarantine bubble together since we're I've been pod. back in New York. Um, a little whale pod. A little quarantine whale pod. A little sad pod. We've been debating what time of the night to cut our losses and go to sleep so that's where we're at we'll find out gonna play right, by stay ear. tuned uh, oh right social media oh yeah you can follow me at i'm pretty sure you guys know this already but in case you don't i don't know you can follow me at bke rogers on twitter and brooke angeline on instagram i almost said bacon i don't know why brooke angeline rogers on instagram uh kenzie um, I am MKZ Joy Brennan on Instagram, and I posted my like 17 Halloween costumes that I just wore in my apartment. They were alone. so cute. I was really proud of them. Those times don't come but once a year. Um, and then on Twitter, I'm Get Me to a Nunnery Number Two, not the word two. Um, we love, love you guys. Be safe. Be good. Be happy. This week's gonna suck, but we'll see you next week. Yeah, yo. Bye.